Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Wednesday, the 18th of January, 2023. It's our first show of the year, Bailey Johnson. It is. Happy New Year. Yeah, and Happy New Year to everyone who may be listening. I'm Mike A-Race. That's Bailey Johnson, our fine crew beat writer. She's getting very busy at this point. Uh, at the controls, per usual, is uh, the podfather, Patrick Flaherty. Well, thanks for joining us. Let's get, uh, Bailey, let's get right to the first item on, on, on the agenda here, which is the most recent news that uh, Aiden Morris has been invited to the U.S. Men's National Team training camp, presumably in Carson, California. It is indeed in Carson, California. Yes, Aiden Morris received his first call to the senior national team today. He'll head out from where the crew are currently in South Florida, having a training camp of their own to go join them. They've got two friendlies on the schedule against um, Serbia and Colombia. There's potential he could play against. Not the crew, the men's national team. Men's national team, yes. Uh, Potential that Aiden, if he's in the lineup against Colombia and Cucho Hernandez gets the call for Colombia, as he might. Little crew on crew. And that's later this month, the 25th and the 28th. 25th against Serbia, 28th against Colombia, indeed. And and, uh, what, what do you like better, Florida or California? I would be happy to go to either place right now. Oh, no, that's, that's, I, I don't like Florida. Uh, but in any case, uh, good for Aiden. Um, obviously, he plays a position that uh, uh, the U.S. men's national. This camp is um, this camp is a respite, um, a rest period for, for those who went to, by and large, that went to uh, Qatar for the World Cup. Um this camp is under an interim coach, or, or as they say, a caretaker in, in the soccer world, um, Anthony Hudson, as uh, Greg Berhalter uh, awaits um, his sentencing, I guess. Um, U.S. soccer is uh, conducting an invest- investigation in wake of, uh, of the Reina's um, uh, disclosure that um, uh, he physically assaulted his future wife uh, when they were 18 years old and students at the University of North Carolina in 1991. Uh, I've been in touch with Greg. He's uh, um, He can't say anything publicly, obviously, because uh, uh, everyone's lawyered up at this point. Um, he, he has maintained that uh, in his statement, that uh, his official statement, that uh, he, he is remains interesting in having his contract extended. Uh, of course, that contract ran out on New Year's Eve. And U.S. soccer has said uh, both in statement form and in public forums, such as the Coaches Conference in Philadelphia uh, a few days ago, that uh, that Burhalter will remain under consideration pending the outcome of the uh, investigation being conducted by an outside law firm. Um, so that's a story for another day, or we'll pick it up at another day. I personally am, am rooting for Greg Berhalter. Um, if you read his statement, and I, I uh, encourage everyone to do so, um, uh, he, he uh, went straight to counseling after the incident in question. Um, he and his wife reconciled. Actually, they, it wasn't his wife at the time. Um, they uh, 
they they restored their relationship, eventually got married, and they've been married for 25 years quite happily with four children right now. Um, and my personal view of, of the whole thing is let's trot that report out chapter and verse um, and, and be completely transparent because I think the man uh, deserves uh, some form of exoneration at this point. Um, and I say that because the Claudio Reyna and his wife, Danielle, um, alerted U.S. soccer to uh, to to this transgression that happened 32 years ago um, in the wake of the World Cup when their son Gio uh, wasn't uh, um, wasn't uh, used um, was used off the bench. Uh, the kid wasn't happy about it. Um, dogged it by all accounts in training. Um, there was a threat that he could be sent home. Um, Claudio uh, got very involved in sending angry texts all over the place. Danielle's the one that wrote the U.S. Soccer Federation and informed them of what happened uh, uh, 32 years ago. So um, it's a dirty little story. Uh, we'll let it play out some more before we circle, circle back to it in another speakeasy. Um, let us now return to the crew. I've said too many words at this point, and, and Bailey needs to speak. Um, another, we have striker news. I was hoping Kyle would be here for this. Um, but in any case, uh, Bailey is fully capable. No question about that. Christian Ramirez. Christian. Tell us about Christian Ramirez. Yes, Christian Ramirez. The crew awaiting official, official announcement of that should be sometime this afternoon. And this is a story you had on Dispatch.com last night. Yes, had the story on Dispatch.com last night that the Columbus crew have acquired Christian Ramirez from Aberdeen in the Scottish Premiership. He's been there for the last, call it, year and a half. Um, prior to that, spent several seasons in MLS, most, I would say, prominently with Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Was there before they went up to MLS, played there for the first couple of years of their MLS tenure, had a stint in L.A., a stint in Houston, then went to Scotland, now is coming back to MLS as his role in Aberdeen has diminished. Expected to be a backup striker behind Cucho Hernandez, kind of compete with Jason Russell Rowe to see which one of them gets the larger share of that minutes. My understanding is with Jason, essentially an MLS rookie, he played a couple games last year, but mostly played with um, Crew 2, that they wanted to get some depth in there so they're not putting all of that weight on Jason as a very young player to take that role. So expect Christian to, again, be the backup to Cucho Hernandez, play probably, you know, a solid share of minutes and help push Jason Russell Rowe in that backup role. Now, Kyle's just chimed in and, and you may have heard the chime. That's a fine for me um, that uh, he remains in meeting hell. So uh, we'll continue. Uh, Christian um, Ramirez, 31 years old and at a position backup striker that we know that they've been scouring the globe to find someone to play with or back up Cucho Hernandez, correct? And you could talk about that and, and, and their thinking. Correct. There's been you know a variety of names that have been connected to them. Um, I know there's been some frustration that they didn't make a lot of moves in the early part of the offseason from conversations I've had that's been very intentional. Um, Wilfred Nancy is a very methodical person and really wanted to get to know the roster that they have. Right. That was one thing they wanted to wait to let him make his own evaluations. Exactly. That's what he said from the day that he was officially announced as the coach in early December. He reiterated that on Monday of last week when they started training that he really wanted to know the players that he had before they started making moves. And from conversations I've had with Tim Bezuchenko and others, my understanding is they don't feel and haven't felt that they need to make big moves for this roster. They like the pieces they have in place. They like the core that they have. So it's more about shoring up some depth in some places and making some tweaks kind of along the edges of the roster to get things to fit 
more with what Wilfred Nancy wants to do. So that's exactly where Christian Ramirez fits. He could play, as you said, alongside Cusho Hernandez if they decide to go with two strikers. He also would be then a very capable backup to assist in any other capacity that they might need him. Yeah, that was my next question. What does he want to do in thumbnail terms? In thumbnail terms, from what I've seen, from what we know so far, you know, they haven't, at least in the week that they trained in Columbus, they didn't do any 11 on 11 stuff. So we're all still kind of guessing with what they're doing, but it's very much going to be tempo focused, possession focused, really a strong intent on, as he's told them in one of the first drills they did, every pass means something. So I watched them do a lot of drills that involved short passing and working with a lot of movement off the ball to create that and as they move up the field. Um, formationally, Nancy has some interesting beliefs around that. Um, he obviously played a lot with three center backs in Montreal, and that's something people expect him to do here. But he, when you ask him about it, will say he doesn't necessarily believe in having a set structure. He inputs, inputs one for their defensive structure, but as they're moving forward offensively and moving up the field, it's much more instinctive and fluid than I think we've seen before. So to say at this point with how they want to play, he is relatively intentionally not telling us. So I think I think what crew fans might wonder is, is will he adapt to uh, his personnel um, more flexibly than, say, the previous coach, number one? And, and, uh, and number two, is that an indication you just gave that, that uh, these players will have a little more freedom in, in uh, how they operate, at least after they get past the midfield mark? That's certainly the impressions that I've gotten so far and everything I've seen and everything I've heard points to that. Um, he did a lot in Montreal getting the best out of his roster and kind of bringing the players together in ways they hadn't necessarily played before. Um, someone like Georgi Mihailovic played a lot on the wing in Chicago and they made him more of a number 10 and he was very successful in that role. So Nancy has a track record of evaluating he what he has, that, yeah. using them in ways that fit their skills, maybe in ways they haven't been used before and definitely leaning on flexibility. He says a lot that he wants the players to understand how they want to play, but then express themselves on the field and have freedom and sort of space to share their own personalities in how they play. Now to that end, Billy, um, uh, he has his crew now with him. He does. Uh, crew with small C. Um, and that's also some news that has bubbled up over the last 48 hours. Um, his staff is now assembled. Can, can you break it down and, 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 uh, can you give us any indication of, of, of his thinking as he assembled his staff, his thinking other than I'm very comfortable with these guys because clearly uh, he's worked with uh, all but one of them, right? Yeah, it's a staff that is largely based around what he had in Montreal, which we knew um, from when he was originally hired in Montreal, said he was bringing assistant coach Kwame Pandu, his fitness coach, and his video analyst with him. Um, he has then additionally hired Yohan Dame, which is a familiar name to those of you in Ohio. He spent several, several years with FC Cincinnati and was even their interim head coach on two separate occasions. Um, he was most recently with the LA Galaxy as first the head coach of their second team and then was promoted midseason to be a first team assistant. It's, it's kind of amazing um, that he wasn't one of their permanent coaches in Cincinnati because I think Podfather was a finalist at one point or was considered as they were changing coaches. They certainly had a lot of chaos going on over there. You read that section of Dame's Wikipedia page and it goes on for several paragraphs about it's, they hired this guy and then that guy left and then he was the interim and then... Well, they figured some things out now. But anyway, please continue. Yes. Um, so Dame is the other assistant coach alongside Ampandu and then um, Phil Berger, who was the crew two goalie coach, the only coach who 
remains in the crew organization from last season, was the goalkeeper coach for crew two and has been promoted to be the first team's goalkeeper coach. Well, he's coming off a, a hell of a year. He is. They had the fewest goals allowed in their league. Uh, Patrick Schulte and Brady Scott combined for 12 clean sheets, which led the league. Um, interestingly, he coached Berger coaches his goalies to be very aggressive. Oh, there's a, there's a change, which is a change um, and fits with how Nancy wanted his goalies to play in Montreal. So it'll be very interesting to see how a room adapts to that. And he also brought along a, uh, a fitness coach and a video coach from Montreal. So yes, there's some French names out there now. A lot of French names. I am only 75% sure I'm pronouncing them correctly, but I promise by the next time we do this, I will have it down. So there it is. That's the staff. Uh, and now lastly, and this is, this is a, uh, maybe a pointless exercise, but at, at this point they're in training camp. They're in Florida. Now they'll be back next week. They'll be back Columbus. the week after they're in Florida for two weeks. And then they'll be back here the week, the last week of January, first week of February. And then they go back to Florida for another two weeks before coming back here Okay, and heading into the season. Well, Bailey, as you alluded, uh, actually didn't allude to it, just said it outright that uh, uh, he's been very cagey, has Wilfred Nancy been, about uh, revealing uh, exactly what he's going to do formationally. Exactly. Now, that said, I think it's worthwhile at this juncture uh, in January to go over the roster positionally and 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 get an idea of of what he's working with. There have been some changes since since the team broke up at, at the end of last season. There have been indeed. So to kind of refresh back on that, um, Derek Etienne is no longer here. He signed in Atlanta as a free agent. Um, they traded Artur to Houston in November. We'll miss Artur. We'll miss Artur. Good player. Um, they also no longer have Pedro Santos, who signed in D.C. as a free agent. Those are kind of the big three. There are some other guys who no. didn't have options picked up. But. One, of the, one of the ideas behind the Artur trade was was to give minutes aid, more minutes aid and more is correct. Absolutely. That is the intention. He even um, was seen yesterday, Tuesday, on their Instagram wearing new training gear that has the number eight on it. So appears that he is changing numbers, taking the bigger role. Number eight, Aiden Morris. So center backs. Center backs. They have three on the roster with MLS experience, which people are capable of doing the math and knowing that if Nancy does want to play with three um, in his formation, they are relatively thin at that position. They've got... Yeah, it was kind of the feeling that they're going to pick up another one at some point. You would think, and they have picked up um, Keegan Hughes, who's a homegrown. He played four years at Stanford um, after coming out of the Crew Academy, who's a center back, um, but obviously very green heading into just his first professional season. So if he is their depth option, that is mildly problematic. Um, They also have had Phil Quinton in training, who was um, with Crew 2 last year, was a draft pick. In the 2022 draft, um, they're still working on figuring out a new contract for him. So whether he is firmly in the plans for this season is hard to say at this point. So what they're working with at center back as far as guys with experience is Josh Williams, Jonathan Mensa, Milos Jegenek. Um, Milos is coming off of a pretty solid World Cup with Australia. There have been a variety of rumors that he is going to be sold and leave the crew. My understanding is none of that is true. And he is very much firmly in their plans for this season and someone that they are really counting on both on the field and as a leader. That means if, if someone wants them, they have to up their price, uh, among other things. Uh, Correct. But yeah, you, you've spoken recently with, with Milos, and there's a story at Dispatch.com. I encourage everyone to go to Dispatch.com. Bailey's got a lot of work posted, uh, everything you need to know. We, we continue uh, through the midfield since we can't say... Uh, 
outside backs uh, at this point, not anymore. Uh, but in, in the midfield, uh, break that down. Yeah, in the midfield, obviously, Darlington Nagby will continue to be who Darlington Nagby is. I think there was maybe a perception that he underperformed a little bit last year. But when you look statistically at the number of minutes that he played and everything he gives them as far as his incredible every game consistency, um, there's still a lot of value there. And he is going to play a large role alongside next to in front of behind. However, we end up defining it's it tough year for everyone last year. So it's why they change coaches. Exactly. I, I, I mean, um, I think with, with Nagby, it's, um, uh, he's getting up there in age. Um, he's, uh, such an important piece and, uh, his brain is, is, uh, is as important as his legs. And again, you wonder whether he's on the backside of his, uh, he's on his backside of his prime and when, when, the you know, when the wheels start to wear down. Exactly. And who's to say when that'll happen? Um, Good luck to him, though. No, I mean, yeah, no, he, he, he played. I don't have it in front of me, but he played either the most or second most minutes of any field player on the crew last year and some of the most in the league. So very much a guy that they can count on every day, even if he's, oh, he's a wonderful player. on the backside of his career, still has a ton of value as far as what he gives you on a game to game basis. Um, and Aiden Morris, as we've talked about, looks to be the everyday starter at the number eight um, behind them. As far as depth, you've got guys like Isaiah Parente and Sean Zwadzki, who had strong years with crew two last year. Sean played several games with the first team could have a larger role this year, especially if they try to maybe help Darlington's legs a little bit and not have him out there playing 90 minutes every single game. A guy like Sean Zawadzki could help that out and provide a little more depth at the six for sure. And this is the imperative put forth by management uh, given to Wilfried Nancy, and that is to integrate the lower levels of the organization with, with the upper levels. Exactly. And that kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with not making a lot of roster moves um, so far. They really have had a very intentional focus both on aligning the organization from top to bottom and on giving their young players more opportunities. They really wanted to have these first few weeks of training play out with these guys, Isaiah, Sean, even Aiden, who obviously has started several games in MLS, many games in MLS, but is still a young player and really see what they have in those guys before they start looking elsewhere as far as filling holes. So that's it with the midfield. So let's move closer to the net here. Closer to the net, you know, Lucas Elrayon will do what Lucas Elrayon does. Um, he was outstanding last year, will continue to be, I, one has to assume. Um, we'll have Cucho Hernandez at the striker. Of course, um, very intrigued to see what a full year of Kucha looks like and how he does under Nancy. Um, he came in on quite a tear with, I think, eight goals in his first eight MLS games and then tailed off a little bit. Yeah, he turned into a crew player. <laughs> he did. Of, of recent vintage. He just stopped scoring suddenly. Yeah, tailed off a little bit. And there was, you know, I think some challenges as far as getting him the ball where he wanted to have it. You saw him get increasingly frustrated down the final games of the stretch or final games of the season. You would see him often imploring his teammates to, you know, get him the ball in different spots. And it never quite worked out how he wanted it to. So... I think a full off season and a full preseason of him getting to know his teammates will only help in that. Um, they've also got Alex Matan back on loan or back from his loan to Everyone's Romania. Everyone's curious to get a look at Alex. Everyone's Matan. very curious He's to been get a look. Enigma. He has been an enigma. I think they are ideally hoping that Wilfred Nancy can do what Wilfred Nancy does and get something out of him that has not been gotten out of him in MLS before. Um, he is coming back from a little bit of an injury. He was working off to the side the first couple of days of training, but has since integrated with the full group. He had a um, toe stress fracture towards the end of his stint in Romania. So super, super interested to see 
how that goes and what he ends up looking like. Um, this is kind of where the biggest question marks on their roster are outside of Kuzma and Lucas. You've got guys like Luis Diaz. We'll see how sort of the outside plays if they end up with more of a wing back situation. Luis told me last week that he has played wing back and is comfortable with that. So that could be a potential landing spot for him. You've got guys like Kevin Molino and Yao Yaboa who struggled last season. Kevin started to find it a little bit at the end, scored a goal um, in September, but really didn't provide a lot that, you know, it's interesting to see what happens with them. Maybe he still stays healthy for a longer uh, period of time at this point. Would be nice to see. He's a nice guy. You're a very nice person yourself, Billy. Um, did we miss anything there? We usually do. Um, I'm looking at the roster in front of me. We didn't touch a lot on the outside, obviously, because we're not quite sure what that's going to look like. Um, I will say that I think they are hoping that Will Sands um, can really be an everyday guy for them on the left side, presumably in a wingback type role. Um, they did bring in Jimmy Madronda as a free agent as I would assume they're hoping that Will will be the starter there and Jimmy will provide depth. But if he is the starter, he has a lot of MLS experience and is a veteran guy at that position. Um, And on the other side, just have to say that Steven Rare had a really great season last year. And I don't think anybody talked about it enough. Um, Hopefully I'll have a story focusing on that and Steven um, in the next week or so on dispatch.com because he was one of their best players and kind of flew under the radar last season. Well, six weeks of camp. Uh, They're two weeks in. The season opener is February 25th at Philadelphia. Woo! Yeah, big test right off the bat. Very, very excited to be there. I will be in Philadelphia for that game and Chester. really looking forward to seeing our first glimpse at what this team looks like. If you have the choice between Pats or Geno's across the street, always go with Pats, the king of stakes. The home opener is March 4th. D.C. United, uh, a traditional rival, will be in town. So that means Cruise Massive is Friday, March 3rd. And... Uh, Nationwide Boulevard is uh, Adora, a designated open carry area, open receptacle area. Adora. I don't like that acronym. I don't like it either. It's it's too hard to come up with what it stands for. You can't for. say open carry. Then, like, the militia <laughs> shows up, you know. Uh, so open receptacle area. That, that's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Under a new coach, um, fresh. Did you sense any fresh air blowing through the, uh, the dome there uh, over in the fairgrounds? Absolutely, I did. The vibes were high. Everybody was having a great Things time. Things did Lots stultify of- here, as uh, Kyle just came in to witness the end of this, can tell you. Um, yeah, it got stuffy there at the end and frustrating. Um, this is uh, They probably made the coaching move too late to make the playoffs. Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs, so you know who, who knows there. But, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think they got the right guy. Yeah. That's the way it looks to me. Uh, that's what I wrote. Um and uh, we'll we'll see where he goes now with the uh, with the uh, he can it's his team now. Exactly, one of his first priorities is getting music to play while they train. So very different vibes than what we had before. What what are they playing? He has not figured out the speaker system yet, but it is in progress. He told us on his first day that that was one of his top priorities. It's getting gonna, music. It's not like Lacage Fall, is it? I hope not. No. <laughs> Did I say that right? Kyle is a French major. That's it here. Thank you for joining us uh, for Bailey Johnson and, and the striker Kyle Robertson. I'm Mike A-Race. Uh, please go to dispatch.com. Bailey just fills it up with great stuff. The podfather is, uh, is, is giving me the rap sign, so uh, Patrick, uh, kick us out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.